feeling from the city. It's like an hour south from you guys. Okay. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode number two of the Backcountry ADV Moto Podcast. And if you clicked on the thumbnail, which is how you got here, you saw that we have a Good Life ADV, Chad Donnie, as a special guest. And uh, he's one of my good friends. Been chatting for a while. Actually, like just like in the last episode, we talked about how you meet people on the internet and uh, you kind of think that you, know, you never know where it's going to go, basically. And since then, uh, Chad's been a really good friend of mine. We've done some trips together, done some rides together, and uh, we talk just about every day. So welcome on, Chad. How are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Doing really good now. Good, good. Every day's, uh, every day's looking up. Yeah, so for those that you don't, those of you who don't know, uh, Chad's kind of gimping around a little bit. Recently broke his tibia and fibia in a, an accident, which we'll get to later, but... um. Yeah. So how I mean, how have things been? How's recovery? I think you're doing a lot better now than you were a few weeks ago, right? Oh man. Yeah. So I am almost two months in right now. I, I think just past six weeks on my big surgery, I ended up breaking my, I broke my tibia, fibia, my complete midfoot, navicular, and then all the other surrounding bones. Uh, I crushed everything and pushed it more towards the inside of my foot. So they had to pull it all back to the outside of my foot. Jeez. And of course I had a little companying hardware that pulls everything together so uh not to mention i ended up with a infection two weeks after the big surgery so kind of set me behind yeah but you're you're kind of getting around a little bit though now right you're able to drive now luckily it's it's your left foot instead of your right so you're able to drive a little bit and hey do you have that sweet uh knee hardware on right now <laughs> knee hardware the one that you get to wear on your knees so you can walk around like Robocop? Uh, this guy right here? Yeah, that thing is yeah. cool, man. Yeah, no, it uh, better than crutches. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but, man, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, I mean, I guess getting around the house it probably makes it way easier um, than crutches. Crutches kind of suck after a while, especially if you're on them for six, eight weeks at a time, but... Well, cool, man. What is what else? What else is new? I mean, I know you've kind of been laid up on the couch. Are you getting catching into the car race lately? Yeah, the car has been amazing. Really been shooting or rooting for Mason Klein. Yeah, really bummed to see he's having some bike issues. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's R and D, man. I think that's it, for a bike that's brand new. There's gonna be things that that you won't catch. I mean, I know there's gonna be a lot of haters on. Well, it's a Chinese made bike. Of course, it's not doing well. But it, I mean, last last year it did. It did fine. It finished. So, I mean, truthfully, I don't really care about the bike. I care about the person that's riding it. That's so, right. You know, it's, I get it. You can say what you want about the Kobe brand. There's a lot of believers and there's a lot of non-believers. Uh, but I don't know. I've ridden a Kobe. I rode the 450. You got to ride it really hard to make it work well. And it was fun when I rode it. That's what I kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think like the, the Kobe, just, just like really any bike, there's people that are going to talk, talk bad about any brand, right? I mean, you have people who bleed orange and people who can't stand to drink the orange Kool-Aid when it comes to KTM. So yeah. there's there, no matter what brand it is, there's going to be people, I mean, for me, BMW, people automatically assume that now that I'm on a BMW, that I'm just touring and going to Starbucks, but it is what it is. So, I mean, we made our stops. So the other guy I was really rooting for too was Matthias Wachner. I mean, gosh, having a traumatic injury, breaking his tib tib right before Dakar. I, I can totally relate and yeah, what a blow, you know, he was, he, in my eyes, he could have won the thing this year. You spend all that time training and preparing and then you just have a, a freak accident that makes it, you know, total upset, you know, and like yeah. any moto accident, you don't see it coming. Uh, things just happen fast. You guys are following the Dakar or watching Dakar race at all uh, in the comments down below. Let us let us know who you're pulling for because I mean everybody has got their everybody's got their their team right. So yeah, let us know. But uh, yeah, so let's let's get into it, man. Um, kind of let's let's talk about so Good Life ADV. That's your Instagram handle. Uh, you're kind of getting into some YouTube as well. You've been trying to post some videos there. Uh, like anybody knows who is starting off a YouTube channel, it is a, it is a slow crawl, but your, but your Instagram, man, it's, it's blown up in the last, what, eight months or so? Rough six to eight months ever yeah. since 
June, July, had those rallies and just started, really just started consistently posting back to back and just anyone who follows me knows the shenanigans I do on my bike and how nervous I make my mom and my wife. So, you know, it, I don't know, I guess it makes for good entertaining content for some guys. Yeah. If you guys don't follow him, definitely give him a follow. Good life ADV. It's down here in the, in the right, right below his name. But, uh, he, he, some people say that I ride a big bike like a maniac, but dude, you ride a big bike like a maniac. Like, I mean, for the most part, like it's, it's, it's controlled for the, you know, 99% of the time, but, uh, that's that 1% that'll get you. That's that 1% that'll get you. But I'm more comfortable on a big bike than I am truthfully on a small bike. I mean, I got my 500 or 501 behind me and I don't know. I just don't feel as at home on the skinny bike as I do on the big bike. Uh, For some reason, I just know how to set it up and come into corners and hit things with it much easier. Yeah. I mean, this, this, he's a, he's a wheelie machine for sure. I mean, that, well, on any bike, really, to be honest, for everything that I've seen, but. Wheelies are easy. I think my wheelie days are going to slow down. Not I don't know. I can sit here and tell you playing his day that I'm not going to wheelie anymore, but I'm like a puppy when I get out there, man. I just get the zoomies and all of a sudden I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it. So I need you with me to slow me down. Hey, don't do that. I, I can be your, your wingman that slows you down because <laughs> we don't want to go through this again. So let's, uh, I guess let's just kind of get into that a little bit. So you and I have ridden in the past. We've, we've done a couple of of shorter weekend trips and stuff like that, but we had planned to do the Arizona VDR. Oh, we yeah. actually planned on first. We were going to do California and return right. to Nevada. And then we ended up bringing on a few more guys and it's like, well, let's do Arizona. Yeah. We were trying to get, just get a, a get a good ride in, um, because well, one, I needed, was a con- I needed some content and winter's coming. Right. So we, uh, had decided that we're just going to do the California VDR. And then we, we both kind of forgot that Southern California just got hammered with all the floods and Titus Canyon and all of those awesome spaces were kind of shut down and they, they're shut down right now. Kind of indefinitely. It sounds like maybe in like three to five years, they'll be open. So that's kind of a bummer for the Southern California BDR because well, in the that, time we spent on the BDR, I feel like we rugged still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a year before, January, last January, we did, uh, you know, 29 Palms, and we rode there, and we rode the all the Joshua Tree area, and we were just like, that that area was epic, and that made us want to do some more of it. And I, I've ridden Titus before in some of those areas, but I kind of wanted to string them all together, you know, and, and just to, to, do the, to do the full ride. So... Anyway, long story short is that didn't work out. We decided to maybe do the Nevada and then a couple other guys that we had been talking to said, Hey, let's just do Arizona. So I, Arizona seemed like a really good time to do it. We knew that the Northern section was going to be a little bit chilly, um, in September, but the cold weather hadn't really hit yet. So, and I don't, I don't even know if the cold weather still right now has even hit because maybe this week, because they've had a big storm, but, um, this whole El super El Nino thing has been weird, but. Anyway, blessing in some areas and then it's a curse in others. So, yeah, I mean, even for me, we've, we've gotten some dustings, like one inch of snow and then it goes away and it's just, it's just been kind of in the high thirties, which normally by now we've had, I mean, shoot last year we had two feet of snow. Right. But, uh, so we start the trip off you and I, um, we load up, we drive down, uh, through Arizona, I mean, to Arizona through Nevada, which, <laughs> Hey, let's take 395. And is that what it was? Longest was... road ever. I think it was 395 down through Nevada. Never yeah. do that again. Yeah. So we, we get to, uh, we decided to stay in St. George. We, I mean, we, we went from, I went from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You went from Eugene. We met in Boise and then we drove from Boise all the way to St. George, Utah. And we stayed at the Moto Mansion for, from Tyler Everide. Oh, you guys are familiar awesome. with him. Yeah. That, that, that setup is really cool. I mean, if you, if you ever want to do a spring or winter ride down in St. George, Utah, definitely check out Tyler. I mean, even if you, he has tours and you can book one of his tours, but even if you're just going to stay, if you're looking for a place to stay, I mean, out of his back door, he's got, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of BLM acres. To yeah, and then you got go a super cozy place to hang up. Yeah. Hot tub, bed, bed. Three bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's legit. Full kitchen, all that. There's a... There's like two grocery stores within like three blocks. I mean, it's everything is right there. So and everything there is so nice. Like it, I want to live there so. Bad. 
it's clean. It's like, I don't know. I bet that, I bet that house across the street sold. It did. I talked to Tyler. Oh no. That would have been epic. But, like, could you imagine if Tyler and I bought a house, had a house across each other? It would be. Covey Corner. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so our other buddies, uh, Justin, Brian, who was on the podcast last time, and then Josh Jones, you guys know Josh, I've done some stuff with him. They were down in Nevada and they met us at, in, in St. George that very next day. So I, I think this is, if I could do it again, I think this might be where we start making some changes. One, I think the, the push from the drive all day, that 14, 16 hour drive to get there, to then finish packing, loading the bikes, all that kind of stuff. I, I think not that it wasn't doable because we did it right. But I think that was kind of the point where, okay, you, you got to get into a mental mindset of, okay, this is, this is what we're getting ready to do. We're going from a four wheel vehicle to a two wheel vehicle. And then not only are you doing that, but you're also like the, the packing that's involved and all the things, right? So it's hard. Oh, we, okay. You go from a long road trip that day immediately jumping into bikes the next day. I mean, we got almost to St. George. I was getting sick. Just yeah. feeling the head cold. There were a lot of a lot of little things that I think led up to where we ended up. So I think we should have either taken a half a day the next morning to kind of get ready to go. And we, we, we granted, we didn't meet those guys until noon, right? But we we went to bed at like two in the morning and then we woke up at like 6.30 or 7, whatever it was, to kind of get everything ready. And we probably should have had some better, we probably should have had some better rest before jumping into a BDR, which is going to be a six day trip for us. So that was probably mistake number one. Um, plus, like you said, you were, you were starting to get a cold and you just were kind of struggling a little bit mentally. Wow. So we meet those guys uh, and then we start heading east towards towards the start of the BDR from St. George. Fun, fun first start. We kind of took a little bit of a detour. Instead of slabbing the pavement all the way to the start, we decided to take a, take a road that took us through some semi-technical, probably more technical than what anything would have been on the first couple sections, I feel like. Could have possibly been what we would consider a, an expert section on on the BDR in some of those places, those hill climbs oh, and those switchbacks and stuff, right? So, but it was a great time. We had a good time doing that. So then um, we actually hit the BDR finally. And then, I mean, what was it? A half a mile in. Josh we hit this. It. Josh Biff's at that silt bed right past the, the, uh, the cattle garden. I mean, that was rough. He hit that. He hit that silt and just tucked the front end. And all of a sudden, you just hear in the helmet cons, you hear his helmet go clink. Like, uh oh. And then you hear Josh went down. Yeah. And it was neat. You, look, went down you look in the mirror and it's just, it's just a cloud of silt. And I, that being the lead person, the silt's no big deal. But then if you're number two man, oh, dude, it, it's just, it was so like talking powder. But so we, we, br Josh picks up the bike, brushes everything off, and he's good, just a little shaken up. And then we take off again. It was starting to get late at this time. Daylight savings time had just kind of kicked in and it was getting dark around 545. So this, this was about four o'clock. Um, so we decided to keep pushing on. And man, as the sun started to get low, the sunset got amazing. We were on this awesome, we were on the Navajo reservation. So we're on this awesome two track and it's just flowing. And I, I look over and we're watching these wild horses and then I bit fit. Dude, like that was, like I said, we were side by side. That was a dude, my, one, man. My tire, you said it was like shoulder height. Like I, oh man, like I was, we were side by side and you went over and then your bike did a rotation while you were on your front tire. And I remember I did this yeah. trying to get away from your tire. Like, whoa, cause you just see this big old BMW tire coming around you. And what happened was like, there was a rock like this and my tire caught the edge and it flipped it. And that edge of that that edge of that rock got underneath my fork and it just lifted and then cartwheeled my bike. It was, it happened so fast. Like I broke the mirror. I broke the windshield. I broke my auxiliary light. Like, I mean, I was only like, doing 20, 25 miles an hour at most. Not even like we were, yeah, I was just not even back because coming down, I think we talked about, I was like, you know, I don't care what happens as long as we see stallions. Like that's all I want. I just want to see some stallions. 
And then I look over to the left and there's these stallions up on this ridge. And it's like, it almost looked like metal artwork up on the hillside. Oh, and then yeah. they started moving like, oh, stallion. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. it's back tire flying at me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was okay. Just had a, a pretty good um, bruise on my, on my. It was deep too. Oh, yeah. Bone bruise. Yeah, it lasted for like four weeks, man. Just brutal. But anyway, 20 minutes later, maybe the sun is just epic. And we have Justin with us, who is a professional videographer. And I don't know exactly who said what, but we're like, hey, Chad, it would be pretty sweet if we got a sweet wheelie photo or video as as the sun's going down with this like silhouette. So okay, Chad being Chad, he's like, too easy. I got this. And Chad's ripping and Justin's getting the footage and it's going good. And Chad comes down and there was a couple little silt spots, you know, but nothing during that just, time, nothing. I, I didn't like it. It was just, it was sketchy. And I remember it was like, we had the conversation. I was like, all right, well, let's not push it too hard. Let's not do anything crazy. And then I found like, well, let's find the, let's find the straight spot where I can do the wheelie and it's not so sketchy because it was kind of had a couple turns in it. So I didn't want to do it in those turns. So I found the long straight, Justin came up next to me. I pulled it. It was like a third gear, 45 mile an hour wheelie, just kind of held it. And I didn't like it because I never got to balance point. I had a hard time trying to find balance point because of all the luggage. I had like 70 pounds of luggage on for this trip. It just, everything added up. So I set it down. Somewhere in there, Justin says, I got the shot. I never heard that. Like, never heard it. So, of course, I clicked third again, pull it back up. I clicked fourth as soon as I was in it. And I tried to find the balance point. I found it. Didn't know Justin was, wasn't behind me. Yeah, and I hit the still at that point. Yeah, he was, he was gone. I didn't even know yeah. he wasn't behind me. But he, the, he, was, well, he was behind you probably like, I don't know, 75 to 100 yards. I mean, he was there. Yeah, he but, he, but, but he just was. Yeah, he just wasn't filming. Yeah, I mean, I hit the I hit that first patch of silt, and from what I remember, I don't know if you recall, but I hit that silt, and it kind of did this number where it went into it, and then I felt the front end kind of bog down, and I lost the balance, and I felt the back end kind of like walking around just a little bit, so I gave a little more throttle to correct it and pull it back up to balance point, and it was holding, and then I remember I hit like this little island of tractable dirt, and it just went whoop right out from under me. And there was nothing. I, I didn't even see it coming. Uh, generally, when you loop out or something, you kind of feel like you kind of go over. Like, it just went, and just pitched me out backward. And then all of a sudden, I've got another patch of silt, and I'm just tumbling. And I remember through yeah, the tumble, so, it was just insane. Yeah, I mean, my perspective, uh, I see your front tire, I see you, and then it, I mean, dude, it was like, a roadside bomb had gone off, dude. Like the, <laughs> it, it, it happened so fast and the silt was so thick. It was just this massive cloud. And, um, instantly I'm like, dude, Chad, are you okay? Cause I mean, I'm, I am a quarter mile back maybe, you know, maybe not even that an eighth of a mile back. I'm like, dude, Chad, are you okay? Chad, like Chad, I'm trying to get you in the headset, you know, cause I'm thinking like, oh, I, I heard you, I could hear you, but yeah. you couldn't hear me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and come to find out like your, your headset had just like fallen apart basically. Cause the, it was such a violent, such a oh, violent here left of, I took the actual headset off, but I mean, this is, ex I haven't even washed the helmet yet. It's, this is exactly how it came out. I've got a nice crack here and then just the scuffs off the back of it. So yeah. And that carbon fiber, brand new first time brand wearing new, helmet. Yeah. Brand new XT 9000 Scorpion. Yeah, so Justin an Justin anchors the brakes. Um, I know we, we'll have to get you a new helmet. Hopefully, hopefully Scorpion. I've been talking with Scorpion. I think they're going to take it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Justin's right behind you, and I'm thinking like, oh gosh, don't run, don't run him over. You know, because I'm I'm worried that because we can't see you, I can't hear you. Justin comes to a stop, and I get my bike parked, and the the cloud of dust is still so thick that we can't even really see the bike or you yet. And I just like dump my bike. I run over and I'm finally, I see you taking your helmet off and I'm like, oh, thank God he's alive. Cause like, dude, it was, there was a minute there where I thought this is bad. This is real bad. Cause I mean, you were doing, how fast do you think you were going? When I clicked fourth, I was holding it. 
I guesstimate just based on other things that I've done. I was somewhere between 60 and 70. That's that's so fast, dude. I'm so <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. So I see you taking your helmet off and uh at least at least at that point I'm like, okay, he's conscious, he's breathing. Let's see what how how tore up he is. And the first thing I noticed is that you're kind of like this. Yeah. Because you had that Alpine Star air vest on, which I, like I do, to be completely honest, I always thought those things were like kind of dumb, right? I'm just like, how in the I world? I never but, did it. I never did any research in it because I saw the initial price point. Went, nope. No, well, that's my thing. And that's my thing, right? They're like a thousand dollars. Well, eight hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, and, and after after seeing how it how your upper body from the from the waist up was completely unscathed other than the bruise on your arm i'm i'm a i'm a believer the next day i'm a hundred percent hundred percent believer that that too. that saved a lot of trauma on onto your torso and even your neck i mean because it 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 comes up around and it stabilizes your your head your helmet and all that stuff so so i was having an issue getting my helmet off initially i couldn't figure out so i was just I couldn't get your hand in there to yeah. well i just came out of this like dust ball and i'm trying to like figure out what's going on and i was instantly just so mad like i just i came out of the roll and i'm sitting there on my butt and i'm going just screaming in my helmet because i'm so mad and i'm like trying to like get into my helmet like what the what is going on and i just oh oh i got the the thing i just had to push it down and then get my hand in there and release my helmet at that point i was getting my helmet off and i heard you guys coming in and I, all I hear is this clunk, 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 and it was all the gas coming out of my fuel tank. Uh, come to find out, the wreck was so bad that it, it completely pulled my skid plate forward, and my fuel level sensor was pulled halfway out of the tank. Uh, just stripped it out and destroyed the bottom of the tank. So I think it's a typical KTM issue. But yeah, it was, it was gnarly there for a second. I had a wardrobe change for a second because I was getting a little chilly in my area here. So it's cold. It's kind of chilly in here too. So I'm starting to kind of get a weird, uncomfortable shiver. But um, anyway, yeah, dude, that, 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 and that's the thing too. We, I run up there and you're just like covered in gas. So we're like, okay, let's get the bike away because we knew we couldn't move you. So let the bike away. It in such a position where it was comfortable as sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Like how it was just like, how lucky, I guess, of all the things. At least my I, leg wasn't like, like going out like that, you know? It was it was still in the boot. There was no compound. I just barely, there. Al almost, almost. I feel it. Down. Yeah, like, you can almost scratch this. You can almost scratch the skin and break the skin on that. So, yeah, man. Chad calmly, after the dust clears, goes, oh, man, I broke my leg, guys. And we're like, What? Because we we were concerned about like everything else, and it took you a second to kind of realize that oh, my legs broke, and I think I think everybody kind of thought you were full of shit because how calm you were. You're like like just oh man, I broke my leg, and we're like oh okay, you know. Well, I did like the yeah. self check, right? So like whenever you have a wreck, you lay there for a second, and you do like the self you know diagnostic check, like okay. Okay, they all work. These are working. Uh, that's all working. I went to go do this with my foot inside my boot, and I could feel things moving inside my boot. But my foot without your foot moving, yeah. And I remember when I broke my femur back a long time ago. Same thing. And yeah, I just well during the tumble, I felt my leg break, and it was really weird because it was like a matter of fact thing. It wasn't like oh my god. It was like oh legs broke, and that was it. Yeah. And I didn't know how bad everything was but i knew for sure i'd already broken my leg so crazy yeah so that, that at this point's where you know you're not bleeding you're not nothing it's not there's no major trauma but now we have to make a decision because we okay we have to get you get you out into a hospital and then also figure out how to get your bike your your bike tumbled other than the so beside besides the the fuel issue your bike tumbled so hard that it actually snapped the handlebar. And then what else did it do? I mean, what other, 
now that you've had a chance with insurance and stuff, is there any other major damage besides that? Yeah, so uh, broke the tower, broke the fuel tank, skid plate, radiator, rear subframe. Uh, the wiring harness, obviously, that goes to the tower is frayed and broken. And then just other cosmetics, just yeah. mirrors are gone, levers are broken. My handguards, my molecule handguards held up great. But yeah, I busted my flex bars in half. Sorry, flex. Yeah, they just broken. like they just like snapped. Yeah, I mean, dude, and that's they're I don't know what the 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 thickness is on those, but they're probably dirt bag. But yeah, snapped it right off. So. Luckily, I thought so not good tread on the bike. So yeah, right. Tires just ran good. <laughs> so other than that, I mean, we realized okay, bike's not rideable. You're not really. We can't. We're probably not going to be able to two up you out of here because the terrain that we were in, it wasn't horrible, but I mean, the, you weren't in pain really initially, but I knew just from training and experience that you're going to, you're going to be in pain soon. And you started to be in pain, not, not real quick, but it kind of started to set in, especially once, uh, medics and everything arrived. So let's, let's talk about that. So everybody kind of got assigned a job. Uh, Justin and Josh and Brian or Justin and Brian mainly were kind of in charge of making sure that you were comfortable and kind of, kind of start treating you for shock. So, um, good job. If you're not something you're with, comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, you know, we able to get some of your gear and kind of prop your leg up and stabilize it that way. And also kind of prop you up to where you had something to kind of lean on. But if you're not familiar with what to do, um, when you have a casualty like this, uh, and the first thing you want to do is just make sure one check for bleeding, make sure they're breathing, all these things. Right. And then once you realize that it's not a, you know, a catastrophic emergency, like you have to get somebody out of there right away, then making sure they're comfortable and kind of start to treat because shock is going to set in once your adrenaline and all that stuff starts to, to kind of fade off. So the weird thing I never, I've been in shock before, but I never felt like I was in shock. Like I know what it feels like, but everything just felt so clear during the process. Yeah. I just, dude, you were hold up, super, hold up, super calm. I just started making phone calls, just letting my people know, Hey, I've been in an accident. I'm going to live, but I'm being life flighted out of here. Uh, and I, I only broke my leg. Everything else is okay. But yeah, it was, it was very calm. Like I never felt like, you know, when you watch like a skateboard video and the guy breaks his leg and he's like, Oh my God, freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. It was nothing like that. If anything, it, it, it was like a growing pain. It was almost comical how how calm you were, and we made we made these comments several times while we're just hanging out there waiting. But let's let's chat a little bit about sure. the process. So I, I kind of take the the role of getting help there. So luckily we had cell service, which honestly I didn't expect to have because we had kind of been in and out of cell service the entire time. So luckily we had cell service, and the first thing we do is like I call nine one one, and it transfers me transfers me to Flagstaff, which it's like three hours away and they say, oh, you're on the Navajo reservation. We don't cover that. Let me transfer you to the reservation. So if you live on the res on the Navajo reservation, feel sorry for you because the emergency response team that was there was subpar. <laughs> so I call, they, they transfer me to their 911 there at the, at, on the reservation. And it's a lady talking to me where I think her kids were in the background. Maybe it's at her house. I don't know. I just hear screaming kids in the background or playing kids in the background, like doing like kids do. And she's asking me to repeat coordinates and what is wrong and all these things. Luckily, again, it's not life threatening at this point, but we need to get you some help and she's not helping. So, uh, I look over to you and I say, Hey dude, I know you have an inReach. Do you have the coverage for Life Flight? Because for those of you who don't know, just because you have an inReach, yes, you you can get the cavalry to come, but you may have to pay for it out of pocket if you push that button. And most twenty nine for it out of pocket. <laughs> yeah, for twenty nine for twenty nine ninety nine, you can buy a separate coverage through Garmin. Yep. That covers up to like what five hundred thousand dollars. It's a hundred thousand dollars in okay, uh, yeah, in recovery efforts. 
efforts, right? So, and there's there's two different plans, I believe. There's one for like basic stuff, like we do, and then there's another plan for guys that are like doing cave spelunking in Antarctica or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's absolutely worth it um, to buy that that plan, and it, it's a one time for per year. Like mine renews in March, so yeah, um, absolutely do that if you have an in reach, and if you don't have an in reach. I really suggest getting one because even if you're just using it to text loved ones and letting them know you're okay, that's a game changer. But, uh, in this situation, it made all the difference. I mean, 100%. you push that button and within dude, 30 well, seconds, it was yeah, 30, 40 calling seconds. my personal phone. Yeah. Asking what's wrong. And then at the same time, they're also calling Chelsea, your wife, right? To make sure. Cause she's, she was like the first employee well, I, to, no, they didn't. They didn't call her because they'd already got a hold of me and asked. Gotcha. I okay. called her, so they called me and said, "Hey, Garmin Services, we see an SOS from this this device. Is this legit or is this an accident?" Nope, it's happened, and I need help. So then they start breaking it down. And they start asking, "Okay, what happened? What do you need? Where are you? Are you accessible to certain areas?" And I said, "No, I'm not accessible to anywhere." I have a badly broken leg and I'm going to need a helicopter and you can land a helicopter about 50 feet from me. So that was all they had to hear. And boom, they were already on it getting a helicopter dispatched. Yep. And since I had already talked to 911 at one point, they had my phone number. So then, then the emergency services are calling me, making sure that I have eyes on you and then that you're okay. Dude, it was, it was so seamless that, um, I mean, I am 100% sold on the Garmin inReach because- Granted, I mean, you pay for your monthly service and yeah, the, the hardware is like, I don't even know what they cost now, 300 bucks or something like that. But in the big scheme of things, it is worth every single penny, if not more. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um, this is, this is not like a paid advertisement by any means from Garmin, but, but if my you mom bought me this, <laughs> if you don't have an in reach get one. Um, I have a video on the 66 I that's a pretty cool one. That's uh, just a handheld, uh, Garmin one, but I, I carry the mini two now and it's, it's super small, compact. You can text from it. Um, and it does the SOS, which is really the most important thing on that thing. So and carry it on your, on you don't put it on your bike. His that's you, another thing. Bike goes 20, 30 feet from you and you got a badly broken leg or whatever. You're Good not luck. Yeah. Like, I reached up and it was right here on my shoulder and I just grabbed it, unclipped it, and it was right there. Absolutely. I mean, Garmin sells, um, you know, a bike mount. Don't even look at it. Um, get Pick it on your, and that's, what's nice about the Moscow moto, uh, the chest carrier, the, the Moscow moto chest carrier for the back. It actually just has the chest rig has the slot, but oh, then there's actually do, on, yeah. the, on the shoulder, you can stick it on your shoulder strap. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So the backpack has, has the spot for it. And then also if you have the chest rig, then there's a little pocket for it as well. And it's, I mean, it's within arm's reach. I mean, even if you had a broken arm, you could still access it. So, and then and another thing I'd like to, speaking of that, other than the Garmin, another thing that guys don't think about when it comes to medical is a tourniquet. I mean, if, if you would have been bleeding out or had a, a, a major, a, a even more major leg injury to where you would have had ar arterial breath bleeding, um, having a, a tourniquet on you, not in your pack, not in your pack, not in your, um, you know, your medical kit, having one, and I keep mine right there in that chest rig because it's the easiest place to get to. And dude, within, it doesn't take long. I mean, you're taking, you're talking 30 seconds, you can pass out from heavy, heavy bleeding. So yep. Carrying a tourniquet will also be something if you guys don't have that on you, get one. I mean, again, not that much of an investment to save your life. So, King but, uh, yeah, I mean, it can happen to anybody, man. Chad's got, I mean, he, you've been writing for how long? Years. Yeah. Writing for Ace, system, done all these. I've done everything. Been through moto, off-road, uh, got into ADV and just went balls out and, it happens. It can happen at any time. Yeah. It only takes that one freak kind of thing that you don't, you're not ready for. And nope. it can go sideways quick. So, I mean, moving forward, what we did, we were able to get you out of there. You know, we, we landed the helicopter. Uh, got you, dude, the medics, dude, the medics that showed awesome. up were awesome. That's, I mean, I've, I've dealt with life flight medics in the past and, you know, my past job. 
And those were some of the best ones that I've ever dealt with. They were, they were so good and they were funny. They were make, making jokes, making light of the situation. Cause obviously you got to do something to take your mind well, off of they it. They knew that we were, they read the really. Yeah. Well, and then one of the guys too was also into moto. So he was kind of giving you some shit. And <laughs> I think he had just come off of a pretty bad injury too. That was something comparable. So he was like, yeah, I just, did this. you're in for a road, dude. So yeah. Yeah. So they, they take you to St. George, uh, the medical center, right? And then you had some pretty good care there. Um, I, I basically, everybody else stayed with your bike and I coordinated trying to get the, we actually found a wrecker. And that's another thing like we should probably touch on too, is have a plan that when you're out in the backcountry, how are you going to get equipment out? maybe you don't, maybe at, at some point you're not able to get it out right at that point. But luckily again, we, we, we had cell service and I was able to find a wrecking service that would, most wreckers will not go off road or off pavement. And this one happened. He's like, Hey, can I, can I actually get out there? I'm like, yeah, I think if it's, it's a, it's a kind of a rougher two track road, but I think you can get out here. No problem. And sure. So he board accordingly. He, he made it out there and he got you, he got your bike. So, um, I think they charge back for like three or $400 drive. They do. They do. They're going to, as soon as, as soon as they leave the pavement, usually it's going to be an additional fee. So keep that in mind as well. But, uh, they recovered your bike. They got it in, in storage. They, they even mailed your Moscow stuff back, right? No. So everything stayed with the bike. Oh, gotcha. they shipped it yeah. to Tucson, I believe to go 80 or not, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, go motorcycle 80 or Arizona or something. Oh, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Great too. Now they held on to my bike. Yeah. They held on to my bike for close to a month and just pushed it back. No charge because the wrecker wanted like $50 a day to hold it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I ended up talking him into taking it down to this motorcycle shop. They stored it there, no charge. And then friend of a friend through the motorcycle shop here was passing through there, coming back up through my town here and just picked it up and dropped it off here. Awesome. So, super lucky that that yeah, happened. Yeah, that that totally worked out. Yeah, but yeah, after making the, the those guys stayed there, and then I jumped jumped on the bike and turned around and went back to St. George, met you there, and then it was just okay. How do we how do we get you home? So, you did you have a sur you had a surgery there, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You had the next day I had to go into surgery. So the doctor comes in my room the next day after a CT, lots of X rays. And we didn't know, like, we just thought I broke my leg. We didn't know how bad things were. And he comes in and he goes, man, this is, this is kind of a bummer because you destroyed your foot. Like, it's all broke. Uh, so I completely crushed my navicular. I, all the little bones that go from, like, the long bones in here to everything that connects right up to your ankle joint, everything in there was crushed and pushed. So he had to go in, he put these candy cane pins in, stabilized it, but yeah, it was, and I had this big X fix on my leg that went through my heel bone and then drilled into my shin. And they so said, an X fix is like a, they call it an external fixator, right? Basically a cage on your foot. Yeah. It just held everything together in the meantime. And the funny thing was that surgeon said, oh, six weeks in this, you'll be fine. No worries. Just take this off in six weeks and uh, you should be back to good. <laughs> back to activities again. I got back to Oregon and the surgeons took a look at me here and went, no, that's way worse than that. We need to do some more work. So off to the next surgery, I think they worked on me for four hours and put yeah. another aspects on my phone. I'm not even done with surgeries yet. Yeah. Would you say that you're kind of on the, on the, You've kind of hit to where you're getting ready to go on the downhill side of it to where you actually start recovering, or you still have another, another you said you still have another surgery? I have one more surgery for some more hardware extraction. I ended up getting an infection two weeks after the big surgery, and I think it's mostly yeah. because the smaller external fixator they put on my foot allowed something to go in. So I ended up with an infection and abscess a couple of weeks after, and that was so excruciating. I had no idea how much pain I was actually in. I had discharge, I mean, just everything. Gosh. Uh, he went in, pulled out a, a sizable abscess out of my foot, and then flushed it out with 20 liters of saline. I, I, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've been on antibiotics ever since. I actually saw the infectious disease doctor this morning, and he wants me on all those antibiotics until they pull the plate in my foot. So, 
I carried that over to the surgeon and said, hey, we need to get moving on getting this plate out of my foot because I can't get off the antibiotics until we do. So after your surgeries, we were kind of stuck with the the logistical movement on how, how to get you from St. George, Utah back to Boise Caldwell area because we we met in Caldwell, jumped in your truck, loaded the bikes up to, in your rig and then came down. So yeah, on the way back up, we've got one less bike, which is fine. I mean, it makes for better room in the, in the pickup, right? But yep. um, once we get to Boise and get my truck, we had no way to get you home because you weren't able to drive not only like physically, you probably could have done it, but being on all the pain meds and just having your foot down below your waist, like it was instant pain, right? So I was on opiates. There's no way I'm going to swing right. that. Exactly. Uh, and all the while you've got family at home freaking out because your state's away and you're injured, you're immobile, and they're jumping to everything as far as air ambulances, everything that are thousands of dollars to get you home. And there's no way they can communicate that with you because you're on an operating table. And when you're not on the operating table, you're on drugs. And so you aren't able to really communicate. You're, you're trying to have conversations with your spouse, your parents. Nobody's communicating correctly. Everybody's at each other's throats. Everyone's got the best idea. And I think ultimately we just said, nope, we'll just jump in a truck and go for it. And yeah, there you came to a, it came a point to where like I was getting phone calls from all of your family, from your wife, yeah. your dad, your mom, and everybody had ideas and they were, they were good ideas, but in right. reality, we were the ones that were there. I'm totally capable of getting you where you needed to be. So I had to just kind of make a decision and say like, sorry guys, this is, this is what we're doing. And you can, and it worked out and it worked out great. Like you can figure it out from Boise and, and it, and it all worked out great. I'm, I'm glad that they were open to letting us just kind of figure it out. And, and I felt bad it. because there was money spent, you know, my, my dad went and bought plane tickets and he was going to fly into Vegas, jump in a car, come get me, then fly me home. He's telling me you need to buy three tickets on an airplane. Otherwise they won't let you come home on one seat. Right. I mean, and I had, I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle a flight with my broken leg. I had no idea what was going to happen, what yeah. the pressure was going to be like. Just, just getting through the airport, you know, um, yeah. you're at the time you're at 230 pounds. Your wife weighs like 110 pounds at best. Oh no, she's one thirty. She's not, but that's well. She's a small gal, right? She has small gal. So I'm like thinking to myself, her having to push you through security and push you through airport multiple times. You know, it just it, it just didn't make any sense. Where you could sit in the back of your pickup, not in the yeah. backpack, but in the back seat of your pickup, propped up, get with, in the bed. Yeah, right. You know, and and don't bleed all over your own truck. We made it. We made it work. We got you comfortable and. Yeah. We made, we made the drive and, and then, you know, family met in, uh, oh, we flew, yeah, you, yeah, you flew yeah. out of so Boise, I, right? We flew Chelsea, my wife into Boise. We met with Brandon from Brandon. Fifth Online. Yeah. Well, he was he, awesome. Yeah. It was so cool that he would just meet us and then shuttle me around Boise and my wife to pick yeah. her up, bring her back to the hotel. And then we just jumped in the truck and we went West. And yeah, we were like, hey, Brandon, do you want to meet for coffee? He's like, yeah, what else do you need? And we're like, well, a ride to the airport would be awesome. He's like, or, hey. yeah. yeah, you know, dude, I'm so grateful. And it, that's just another part of how the adventure community will come together. Absolutely. And, you know, and you thank the guy, and he's like, yeah, why wouldn't I do this for you? Or other people, you kind of get the, you don't want to, yeah, I guess I could. You know, it's, it's thanks, Brandon. Man, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. It's awesome. Well, uh, Matt, I'm glad that you're kind of on the up and up though. I mean, yeah, you have the surgery to kind of look forward to, but, um, what's, what's the plan? What's the next, what's the next bike? The, the bike is totaled, right? Oh yeah. Bike totaled. I got a call here a little bit ago from my insurance. They're uh, working on getting me paid out on it. Once they find what rallies actually are worth, uh, cause yeah. I'm trying to pay me out for an R. They thought R, R was in the rally. rally. Yeah. So we're working on that still. Uh, I think I'm going to slow it. Uh, I, I have so many different directions I want to go with it. Uh, right now, I'm thinking I'm going to go with a 1290R so I can do more touring because my 890 rally is 
frankly, it's just miserable to, to do any kind of touring on. It's not fun. I'm, it's like a high-powered 450, and I don't enjoy being on the road with it. I, yeah. A couple hours, and I'm spent. Uh, Off-road, it's great, but as soon as I get on the highway, I'm not having a good time. So if I can get a bike that is a little more touring-friendly, uh, then I'll do that, whether it be a 1250, 1290. Gotcha. And maybe put some stickers behind the windshield that says "Keep the front tire on the ground." <laughs> uh, what moving forward? Also, like what what trips? What what do you, what, do you, what do you want your first trip to be? Whenever you're good to go, have you thought about that yet? Baja, <laughs> Baja, yeah. We need to be, we need to do Baja. I do think we need to do Baja. I also think we need to complete Arizona because I agree that that would be a good way to kind of that all that behind you but Baja dude I feel like everybody's in Baja right now like I get freaking invitations all the time like, like, oh, like everyone forgot I got hurt and they're like hey do you want to go to Baja in, yeah. in March I'm like yeah I do but I can't yeah I'll I can go and sit on the beach and just watch you <laughs> I can't even do eat, that comfortably eat eat tacos yeah I could do that so I don't know time for just I don't know. I've been going hard for the last year, like really hard moto every weekend and trips. And I think I'm just ready for a slowdown for a little bit, do some touring stuff. Need to go hard for. So from this accident, what advice would you give to uh, to maybe even either new riders or even seasoned riders? Some lessons that you learned. I understand what happened with me is not going to happen with everybody, and we were going after a certain. We were going after a shot, you know, we were there for some media. We were doing some things. Not everybody's going to do that, but take it easy. Enjoy the ride, you know, keep your eyes forward, watch your terrain. I think, uh, step fast. I think for, for guys like you and I, you know, we get out and we, we get the thrill of, uh, kind of going hard, going fast for a little bit. But then we kind of lose sight of what these trips are supposed to be about, like the the BDRs and stuff like that. They're supposed to be, you know, going out, getting away from the day-to-day -day out and kind of in away from people, right? Or, or away from leaving leaving your worries behind, right? And then going and, and enjoying the trip. So, I, I mean, lesson learned for me from this whole thing too is like, hey, get out and actually enjoy the ride and who cares about there's no agenda because i feel like we had yeah. an agenda coming into it and it was we it, did it felt it felt very business you know it did, yeah. like this agenda we had to do this we had to do that and it was that's not how it's supposed to be right we we're supposed right. to be out there having a good time and you know i guess the only thing i'm grateful for is i got to see my stallions that's it you know i went there for stallions i saw them and then 20 minutes later flying through the air like ricky bobby <laughs> last kind of question I'm going to ask, and it's, I mean, not necessarily personal, but it's, uh, as far as camaraderie goes, do you feel like from this, this incident, you, you have a better sense of like writing buddies or, uh, just, I guess, give me a comparison of what this experience would have been like without, I guess, some friends around, you know, if you're out, out riding on your own, that's great and everything, but to ride with a, a group every now and then. I feel like sometimes it's a whole different experience. I mean, yeah, it, I feel like the adventure side of things anyways, is so much more camaraderie than any other style of moto. I mean, trail riders, dual sport guys are, they're very good with each other, but the adventure side of things, just in the last couple of years, I've learned there's, you show up to an event and literally everybody's so happy you're there. Like everyone's smiling. You could walk up to any camp, anyone's inviting. And then after this happened, all the adventure people kind of came out of the woodwork, you know, days after, weeks after, my inbox was full. And it was like, some days I was in tears. You know, it was, you just don't know what to say to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I know we had talked. support. Yeah, we had talked about it. The the support is is awesome. The 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 adventure motorcycle community it's growing a lot, but it's still so small. And you know, you may not know somebody directly, but you know of them a lot of times, or you've seen them, or you know somebody who knows them. And then now with social media, you know, you if you have any type of following whatsoever, um, again, like we talked about, like Brian and I had talked about, 
in the last podcast, I mean, social media has its negative, his negative things, right? But it has, it has so many more positives that you can use if you decide to use the tool for what it's actually designed for. And yeah, man, I mean, you had people bringing you cookies and you had food and like from, you know, it's just. I had get well cards coming from people I've never met in my life. Never met. You know what? Yeah. The, uh, the ER out of, I, I think it's Henderson, Nevada. They sent me a get well soon card and I was, I couldn't believe it. They, how'd you get my address? But I think Josh actually gave it to him. Uh, I open this card and I just start bawling. Was there, is there anything else that you'd like to add to, you know, to wrap this all up? I guess I've had a lot of time sitting on the couch this last six, two months, sorry, not six weeks. That's just post-surgery. Uh, you start to throw yourself a pity party after a while and you start really feeling down and you, your mental health takes a huge hit and you start to realize that a lot of this comes back to your attitude and the way that you look at things. And realistically, you need to keep a, a good attitude. You know, I've always been a follower of Doug Henry and I've followed Doug for years. I watched him in the first Terra Firma videos and I, if you can go YouTube it, uh, he talks about attitude and the way that you perceive things and the way that you react to certain situations that happen in your life. And the way that you react and your attitude towards something is 90% of what actually happens to you. 10% of the, the episode, that's nothing. It's going to come and go. It'll pass. But the way that you react to it and the way that you treat people and the way that you talk to yourself through that 90% is what really matters. So it, it sucks being hurt. It's an emotional situation. Uh, you're literally, you're, you're taking a time out from life because you're not at work for months. You, you're not invited to the party anymore and it's hard stepping back for that time. So, but you got to stay positive. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep looking forward to the next thing. I, uh, and keep a clear mind about it because you will come back and life is great. It's a good life. That's right, man. Absolutely. Well, dude, I, I'm so glad that you came on here and told your story and hopefully uh, some people have learned some things about it and at the very least just kind of maybe a little bit better plans or have a little bit better plan next time they go out and ride. Uh, think about kind of the worst case scenario, be better prepared uh, for what could happen and then, you know, maybe turn turn a situation that you had into something positive for themselves. So. So I know we talked about it a little bit in the beginning of, the, of, of this podcast, but um, where can people find you? Yeah, my Instagram is goodlifeadv, uh, space between the two. And then my YouTube isn't really big. I only got like 60 followers, so I'm you know nowhere near all the other guys, but uh, same name. Maybe one day we'll start to grow that too. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, shorts on there right now. It's mainly mainly shorts, but we're trying to trying to get that up a little bit. We'll start getting some actual long, some longer form content on there and everything. But uh, I appreciate you. Uh, get better soon. I know that you will. You're you're motivated to get back on the motorcycle. And oh, I want to uh, do go back to life. Hopefully, hopefully in a few months, man. Once you're good to go, we'll be able to get back on the bikes together and and we'll be able to document it and have a good trip. So there will be a redemption. That's right. All right, man, we'll have a good day and uh, we'll see you next time. All right, guys, well, if you uh, like this type of content, definitely hit that subscribe button, click that like button, share this with your friends. Uh, there's more of these coming here really soon. I've got lots of guests coming down the pike. So I appreciate you guys watching. And if you have any questions, leave them down in the comments below. Either me or Chad will be on here answering any questions you might have. So hey, other than that, we'll see you in the next one, guys. Thanks.